This is section 45 of Mark Twain, A Biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Volume 1, Part 1, 1835 to 1866. Chapter 45 A Comstock Duel. The success, such as it was, of his occasional contributions to the New York Sunday Mercury stirred Mark Twain's ambition for a wider field of labor. Circumstance, always ready to meet his wishes, offered assistance, though in an unexpected form. Goodman, temporarily absent, had left Clemens in editorial charge. As in that earlier day, when Orion had visited Tennessee and returned to find his paper in a hot personal warfare with certain injured citizens, so the enterprise, under the same management, had stirred up trouble. It was just at the time of the Flower Sack Sanitary Fund, the story of which is related at length in Roughing It. In the general hilarity of this occasion, certain enterprise paragraphs of criticism or ridicule had incurred the displeasure of various individuals whose cause, naturally enough, had been espoused by a rival paper, The Chronicle. Very soon the original grievance, whatever it was, was lost sight of in the fireworks and vitriol throwing of personal recrimination between Mark Twain and the Chronicle editor, then a Mr. Laird. A point had been reached at length when only a call for bloodshed, a challenge, could satisfy either the staff or the readers of the two papers. Men were killed every week for milder things than the editors had spoken each of the other. Joe Goodman himself, not so long before, had fought a duel with a Union editor, Tom Fitch, and shot him in the leg, so making of him a friend, and a lame man for life. In Joe's absence the prestige of the paper must be maintained. Mark Twain himself has told in burlesque the story of his duel, keeping somewhat nearer to the fact than was his custom in such writing as may be seen by comparing it with the account of his abettor and second, of course, Steve Gillis. The account is from Mr. Gillis's own hand. When Joe went away, he left Sam in editorial charge of the paper. That was a dangerous thing to do. Nobody could ever tell what Sam was going to write. Something he said stirred up Mr. Laird of the Chronicle, who wrote a reply of a very severe kind. He said some things that we told Mark could only be wiped out with blood. Those were the days when almost every man in Virginia City had fought with pistols, either impromptu or premeditated duels. I had been in several, uh, but then mine didn't count. Most of them were of the impromptu kind. Mark hadn't had any yet, and we thought it about time that his baptism took place. He was not eager for it. He was averse to violence, but we finally prevailed upon him to send Laird a challenge, and when Laird did not send a reply at once, we insisted on Mark sending him another challenge, by which time he had made himself believe that he really wanted to fight, as much as we wanted him to do. Laird concluded to fight, at last. I helped Mark get up some of the letters and a man who would not fight after such letters did not belong in Virginia City in those days. Laird's acceptance of Mark's challenge came along about midnight, I think, after the papers had gone to press. 
the meeting was to take place next morning at sunrise of course i was selected as mark's second and at daybreak i had him up and out for some lessons in pistol practice before meeting laird i didn't have to wake him he had not been asleep we had been talking since midnight over the duel that was coming i had been telling him of the different duels in which i had taken part either as principal or second and how many men i had helped to kill and bury and how it was a good plan to make a will even if one had not much to leave it always looked well i told him and seemed to be a proper thing to do before going into a duel so mark made a will with a sort of gloomy satisfaction and as soon as it was light enough to see we went out to a little ravine near the meeting-place and i set up a board for him to shoot at he would step out raise that big pistol and when i would count three he would shut his eyes and pull the trigger of course he didn't hit anything he did not come anywhere near hitting anything just then we heard somebody shooting over in the next ravine sam said what's that steve why i said that's loud his seconds are practicing him over there it didn't make my principal any more cheerful to hear that pistol go off every few seconds over there just then i saw a little mud hen light on some sagebrush about thirty yards away mark i said let me have that pistol i'll show you how to shoot he handed it to me and i let go at the bird and shot its head off clean about that time laird and his second came over the ridge to meet us i saw them coming and handed mark back the pistol we were looking at the bird when they came up who did that asked laird's second sam i said how far off was it oh about thirty yards can he do it again of course i said every time he could do it twice that far loud second turned to his principal laird he said you don't want to fight that man it's just like suicide you'd better settle this thing now so there was a settlement laird took back all he had said mark said he really had nothing against laird the discussion had been purely journalistic and did not need to be settled in blood he said that both he and laird were probably the victims of their friends i remember one of the things laird said when his second told him he had better not fight fight hell no i'm not going to be murdered by that damned desperado sam had sent another challenge to a man named cutler who had been somehow mixed up with the muss and had written sam an insulting letter but cutler was out of town at the time and before he got back we had received word from jerry driscoll foreman of the grand jury that the law just passed making a duel a penitentiary offense for both principal and second was to be strictly enforced and unless we got out of town in a limited number of hours we would be the first examples to test the new law we concluded to go and when the stage left next morning for san francisco we were on the outside seat joe goodman had returned by this time and agreed to accompany us as far as hennis pass we were all in good spirits and glad we were alive so joe did not stop when he got to hennis pass but kept on now and then he would say well i better be going back pretty soon but he didn't go and in the end he did not go back at all 
that went with us clear to San Francisco, and we had a royal good time all the way. I never knew any series of duels to close so happily. So ended Mark Twain's career on the Comstock. He had come to it a weary pilgrim, discouraged and unknown. He was leaving it with a new name and fame, elate, triumphant, even if a fugitive. End of chapter 45 A Comstock Duel Read by John Greenman